We're going to look at a passage in the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah. Um, Isaiah was written over 700 years before Christ, about 740 to 700 BC. Um, it's um, a big, a biggish book in the Bible. It's worth a read. Um, but how can I sum it up briefly? Well, somebody put it this way. The book of Isaiah... It's about a coming Messiah who will save people from their sins. And the the book of Isaiah is stuffed full of prophetic utterance, prophetic statements, like I said, 700 odd years before Christ, but talking about the coming Christ. And there's so much in there. If you look through that, if you're looking for Jesus in Isaiah, you'll see him all over that book. Um, I'm going to look at Isaiah chapter 49. I'll just sort of very briefly paraphrase the first 13 verses. And then we're, then we're going to look at just two or three verses, 14, 15, and 16. So at the beginning of Isaiah 49, um, God is promising hope to his people, which is a nice promise to have, isn't it? Right? Even though they're in exile, they're away from home, the hometown, um, but he says the hope of salvation is coming. Be strong. The hope of salvation is coming. And, and in, in, in the book of Isaiah, the, the one who will come to bring this hope is often referred to as the servant. He's talking about Jesus. Even though it's 700 odd years BC, he's talking about the coming Jesus, the anointed one, the Messiah. And not only to the people of Israel, this salvation will reach out across the whole world, which is why we're sitting here right now, isn't it? Because it touched us too. And then we get to verse 13 of Isaiah 49, which is essentially saying one day everything will be all right. It says, Sing for joy, O heavens, rejoice, O earth, burst into song, O mountains. Very picturesque language. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on them in their suffering. Good words, aren't they? Good words. And then it continues to the the passage I want to read, read from verse 14. It should come up on the screen behind me. Verse 14, it says, Yet Jerusalem says, The Lord has deserted us. The Lord has forgotten us. Verse 15. Never can a mother, sorry, never can a mother forget her nursing child. Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. Verse 16. See? I've engraved your name on the palms of my hands. Always in my mind is a picture of Jerusalem's walls in ruins. God knows. God understands. There's a lot of promises here, but God's people still have a complaint. Now, I understand they're in exile and things ain't good, but the God has promised, you know, that verse 13, sing for joy, right? The Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on them in their suffering. God has spoken that to them. And yet they go, the Lord has deserted us. The Lord's forgotten us. 
right? Even though there's a lot of promises, they're saying we don't feel loved. God don't love us. And sometimes we can be the same, can't we? You know, there's lots of promises here. There's lots of promises in the whole of Scripture. Some of us may even have memorized them. Some of us read them regularly. But when problems hit us, all that knowledge doesn't necessarily help us or change us because it stays in our head. What should we do? What should we do? Well, God answers the people's complaints here by pointing to a person. By way of illustration, he points to someone we all know, to mothers. That's the illustration he uses in verse 14. Right? Listen, there will be times we won't feel the love of God. Right? The Lord has deserted us. The Lord has forgotten us. You know, that's what the people are saying. God's forgotten me. They question God's love for them. But God has promised a hope. And he promises us a hope through Jesus. And you think, yeah, that's, that's all very well. But that's, I, I understand there's a hope. But what about now? Because I'm going through it now. I'm feeling pain now. Where's God now? You know, and these guys here, their temple had gone, tragedy all around them, they're living in exile, they had no assurances of God's love, but then God speaks. You know, we can live knowing the truth of God's word, but that truth don't actually change us. We're not conformed to it, right? It doesn't shape us or affect us. It can become just information. Oh, that's interesting. Guess what I read today? You would never believe this about God. And it doesn't change us um, and how we are. And then you, when the problems happen, you know, oh no, where's God gone? I thought God was with me. You know, wait till your prayers aren't answered instantly. Think, he never listens to me. Why won't he answer? Wait until you face difficulty after difficulty. It's when those things happen we know what we really believe, isn't it? And I'm sure there's many in this room have gone through hardship and pain and heartache and turmoil and you have proved God. Because God is in the business of taking the knowledge that we put in our head and transforming it into something which shapes our heart and how we respond to life and circumstance and people. What happens when we face tragedy? I don't know, unemployment or sickness or, or the kids who walk away from God after your diligent work raising them or church leaders let you down. What do you do? So if you don't believe that God loves you, you'll probably start to look for that love elsewhere. You won't keep going back to him and back to him and seeking him. The love of a mother is the illustration God uses for his love for us. The love of a nursing mother. Never 
He says, can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, I'll never forget you. Isn't that a good promise? You know, and, and we know, and we've even heard today, that mothers um, can let us down. You know, they can get it wrong, and they can be really horrible. Yeah, my, uh, when, I, when I was 16, my mother walked out, and I said, I'm the oldest of five, Cynthia. Five's a good number of kids. To, that she, she walked out on us, and she, she took my little sister with her. She said, that's not very good behaviour, is it? It's not nice. Not all mothers... Um, are, are great at it but God says look does it, this is, he's saying look, this is an illustration you know you see the image of a nursing mother the, the devotion and the care he said but even if that ain't right I love you I will never forget you right in the midst of all your heartache and pain you know, you know, you know when you're trying to get the kids to understand right isn't it cool when you're trying to get Ernie to understand something right and you're, you're, trying to, you're telling them something important. Now, when they're a little bit older than Ernie, you get, wait for this one, right? They'll start interrupting you. <laughs> maybe he does it already, I don't know. They'll start, he keep interrupting, and, and, and maybe they're saying how I feel. It's not fair, is an often the good one. That's how they express how they feel. And, and in the end, you probably say something like, well, that's tough. Stop whining and listen. Right? <laughs> God doesn't even do that here, although he's, he has every right to. Because <laughs> we often need to be said, told that, don't we? Stop whining and listen. But God doesn't do that. He doesn't, well, he doesn't just give emotional support. Either. He doesn't just gently stroke their hair, you know, metaphorically, and, he, uh, and say, oh, you'll feel better soon, poor baby. You'll be out of exile soon. It's all right. Right? He comforts them with an answer that requires them to think. He says, I want you to think about something serious. I want you to think about a mother and her baby. Right? I, want you, I want you to think about that image of a mother feeding her baby. That the intimacy and the, the, the closeness and the love that's expressed in that image. That's what he's saying. I want you to think about that for a moment. Not just think about it, but think about it until you feel it, until it affects you. Can a mother forget her nursing child? You know, that, uh, uh, there, are, there are difficulties and there are mums who get it wrong, but that is a strong bond, isn't it? A mother to a child. You know, some argue the strongest relationship. And that certainly a mother can't physically forget I am experienced in this um, in some ways because I am the father of five and my wife fed our children and I, I knew from her descriptions about the the whole process of milk coming into the breast and the need to feed um, I should have got her up to do this bit, shouldn't I? <laughs> there is a physiological connection, a physical drawing. I need to feed the baby. 
And there's that, again, that connection between mother and child. And if you're a nursing mother for 24 hours a day, and we've already heard that today, for seven days a week, your life revolves around that little scrap of life who is 100% dependent on you. You can never forget the child, can you? You know, that as, soon, as soon as the baby goes down for a sleep, you no, there's a little noise. You know, that's when you pray hard, isn't it? When you hear that little whimper, you think, Jesus, let them sleep. <laughs> right? But that imagery of a mother and a child is what God uses here. And even if that doesn't work for you, I will never let you down. It's powerful. It's passionate. You know, God's saying, compare that to me. Even if it is possible to forget, I won't forget you. So God is like a mother, and he's not like a mother. You know, we've heard from Iris, her experience wasn't great, but God won't let you down. He's saying a mother's love, well, that's, that's powerful, and it's a beautiful thing when it's done right, but it's a pale imitation of my love for you. My love will never be gone. My love's eternal. It's a beautiful thing. I see everything about your life, God says, I never, but I'll never forget you. I'll see your joys and I'll see your pleasures and I'll see your heartache and I know the despair you go through, your sadness, your happiness, your loneliness, all of, all of the stuff, everything else in your life. I see it and I know it and I love you. He says, my love is unconditional. Like a mother's love for a nursing child. I'll keep loving you and I will always love you forever and ever. So when you are going through the pain and the heartache and whatever it is in your life, and there will always be stuff, won't there? You know, you have, you have, a, you have a, nice, a nice couple of years and you think, or a couple of weeks, and then you think, oh, here we go again. Listen, God hasn't gone away. He loves you just the same. In fact, you could argue he loves you that bit more. Right? And, he, and he, that's why he uses such an intimate, personal image that we read here. Like a mother and her child. Do you really know that love? Have you experienced it? We'd love to pray at the end of this service for you if you want to know that in a special, fresh way. If a love that was living and active in your heart moment by moment was really shaping your life, would you be a different person today? It's worth thinking about, isn't it? Would you be different if that love really grabbed your heart and you and it, you was aware of that and it didn't let you go? Because that's the promise. Would you then be slow to anger and quick to bless? Because of that deep, deep joy at the bottom of your heart that no person or circumstance could ever take away from you? Because God says, I love you. We could be very, very different. And he provides proof 
for that love that he describes. He, the, the imagery shifts from a mother nursing her baby to something a bit more gritty and a bit more graphic. In verse 16, he says, See, I've written your name or engraved your name on the palms of my hands. I've engraved your name on the palms of my hands. How do you know that someone loves you? Well, it's not just words. It's actions. I worked out years ago, flowers work. Buy the flowers, right, as an action. You know, you, you got it, see? There's revelation for you now. <laughs> Ralph, the garage is open. Just tear the sticker off, right. But if you only have words and no action, in the end, you will doubt if that person actually loved you. If they, if they just said it, you, do, you, do you remember the musical Oliver? <laughs> Nancy, the character in there, looks plaintively at Bill Sykes, who's not the nicest fella. She says, do you love me, Bill? He says, of course I love you. I lives with you, don't I? <laughs> she probably needed more than that. Right? Maybe some flowers, eh? Because <laughs> it's action as well as words. You don't change just by being told. Ultimately, we need to be shown, don't we? God knows that. So he shows us his love when he says, See, I have engraved your name on the palms of my hand. You remember that moment when your baby was first born? Courtney described it so well. Your life changes completely. Everything starts to revolve around that little dot that only weighed seven and a half pounds when it was born, right? And it can be draining, but then they get bigger, right? It gets even more draining <laughs> and frustrating. And when, when they're toddlers, and off to nursery, and, uh, and, all, and all, the, all the things that you sacrificed, all the things you gave up for that little baby, all the things you went without as you became a parent and you started devoting your life to that little child who's growing up now and going off to nursery, they don't even care. <laughs> it's invisible to them, right? They don't know or care about the sacrifices you Made As far as they're concerned, mums and dads are just there to meet every need. And we heard that from Cynthia, didn't we? Mum, I want the juice. Because dad's praying. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and there are moments when the kids don't get it as well, aren't there? No, you can't eat that. No, No, you can't have chocolate for breakfast or or you know you can't do that you're too young when the three-year-old wants to drive the car or something and their response can be you don't care you don't love me can you see and we can be like that we can be like that with God he says something for our good and we go you don't care about me 
That's why he uses these illustrations to remind his people how much he loves us. So we're not tempted to say, you don't love me because you're not answering my prayers. Right? He might be saying, oh, I love you so much. I want to teach you a little bit of patience. I've engraved you on the palm of my hands. The imagery changes from mother to master. Sometimes in those ancient days, the name of a master would be marked, tattooed on on the slave. So people would know that slave belonged to that master. It's pretty horrible, really, isn't it, if you think about it? But you'd never get the name of the slave tattooed on the master, would you? Right? You wouldn't do that. Because that, that would say the master was devoted to the slave. Ah. He says, I've engraved your name on the palms of my hand. Not tattooed but engraved with a hammer and spike. Can you see the imagery? Why in the world would someone out of love allow people to hammer a spike into the palms of their hands? But thank you, Jesus, that you did. Thank you, Jesus, that you allowed them to nail you to the cross allowed them to take a hammer and spike to your hands because my name's engraved there my name a mark of love for me thank you Jesus thank you Lord and you remember the story of Thomas remember doubting Thomas after Jesus had been nailed cruelly to that cross where he had died, where he was taken down and buried in a tomb. All of that defeating sin and death on our behalf. It's wonderful stuff, isn't it? We're going to be celebrating Easter in just a few weeks. And then after he was buried in a tomb, he was resurrected back to life and he was walking around and seeing his mates and he bumped into some of his friends and they saw him and they were excited and they told their mate Thomas, who wasn't there, he was probably busy doing something, I don't know, he wasn't there to see Jesus alive. And when they told him, he went, yeah, I don't believe you. I'll believe it if I see the holes in the palms of his hands. He said, Reading from John 14, he said, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, because he knew, He said, Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do you remember they stuck a spear in his side? Put put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And I love this. 
because his reputation forever, his, his nickname is Doubting Thomas. But he did doubt. But when Jesus said that, Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. He got it. He recognised who Jesus was. It's a wonderful thing. Do you recognise who Jesus is? He is God who suffered and died for you. That your name engraved on his hands. That he loves you as much as the, per- the most perfect mother loves her child and so much more. What a God we follow, don't we? Who said religion is boring? Who said religion is dry and dusty and old-fashioned and of the last century? This is more relevant to us today than ever before. Written 700 odd years before Christ. And then there's another couple of thousand years until we get to today. And it's still relevant to us. What love he expresses on a daily basis. It's just sometimes it's not always as we expect. And sometimes we don't see it. And that means we behave in ways we shouldn't. I think, Jesus, let me encounter your love like this. That, that, that love that you compare to a mother. It's a personal, precious thing. And it don't go away. How good is it? How good is he? You know, on the cross, Jesus was forsaken so that we will never be forsaken. He became an orphan, rejected by the Father, if you like, so that we could be adopted. He's the Son of God, the apple of his eye. And he's the one who cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If you feel like Thomas today, filled with doubts, or if you're feeling forgotten or forsaken if you're feeling unsure of his love and your heart is crying crying like a hungry baby looking for milk you can drink deep of his love today because the wounds on his hands prove it let's pray shall we Lord, as we gather on this Mother's Day, it's appropriate to look at that illustration that you use of a mother and a child to illustrate your love for us. A love which goes far, far beyond the best mother's love. A love which goes as far as the cross. A love which means that our names are engraved on your hands with a big metal spike. And we are grateful, Lord. And we want to learn how to be grateful more and more and more. Help us. Help us, Lord, to to live it out. For it not just to be academic knowledge, but to be something which shapes our moments and movements everything that we are because you are essential to us and Lord I declare it on behalf of all of us here we love you we love you Lord we want to love you more and we want to learn about your love but we do love you thank you 
Jesus. Amen.